Hey, last week, I introduced um, some new language that we're using as um, a church. That's a new way that we're communicating our mission, um, how we're doing mission together as a church. And you may not have been here, so I wanna bring just a little bit of a recap because you're gonna be hearing this a lot over the coming seasons. Um, so we really wanna kind of get this into our, our minds, into, into how we think um, about doing life together as a church. And in English, uh, these, the, the way that we're describing our mission together is three words, gather, grow, and go. Everybody say those, gather, grow, and go. And those are like under those three words, all of our ministries fit into one of those three different categories. And so this is a simple way of like just when we hear that, remember this is, this is how we do mission. This is how we get after the things of Jesus together as a church family. And so there's a really simple phrase that kind of describes each of those and you can put that up on the screen. We gather in the love of Jesus. We grow in the grace and truth of Jesus, so that then we're ready to go in the power of Jesus. This is all about Jesus. It's all about him, and this is how we get after doing the work that he's called us to do. So you're gonna be hearing more and more. In fact, if you, if you kind of look in the back corners, we got some new banners up that are gonna remind you, both in English um, and in Espanol, that are, because we're all in this together as one church, because we're one church with two congregations in English and Spanish. So we're doing this all together. But last week, I, I um, introduced uh, you to the idea that we actually have three teams. We got Team Gather, Team Grow, Team Go. And over the past months, we've been working with team captains, leaders who have been cultivating each of these three um, areas. And pretty soon you're gonna be hearing these team captains say, we want you to get involved like in Team Gather. This is how you could be a part of that and join us on mission in this area. But they've already been working. They've been doing this for a few months now to kind of like help to build the on-ramp for this. And so I just wanna share with you a, a few early wins, okay? Early wins for these three teams and these groups of team captains. So team gather, one of the very cool things we've done, go ahead and put the slide up, is we've got connect cards again. Uh, these are like right now, I know, applaud. Woo, we got a little piece of paper, what? Why are these important? Why was it important to reintroduce? You know, because during COVID, we got rid of all that kind of paper junk that you know no one wanted to touch, what somebody else might have touched. So we've gotten rid of that, but our gather team really felt it would be important for us to bring something back that would very simply say, we wanna get to know you. It's like, if we're gonna gather in the love of Jesus, we have to get to know each other. And so I mentioned that we'd sent out a text message this morning, just reminding everybody, hey, it's beach day, here's where you can click to get the details. If you didn't get something like that, well, guess what? Or if you didn't get you know, an email uh, a week or, week or so ago about that, that means that you are not getting our communication. We, we don't have a way to correspond with you. And so even right now, you could take out one of those little connect cards and you could fill it out because we want to know each other. It's about building community. It's about deepening our relationships to both with the Lord and with each other. And so please take opportunity to fill those out. Um, there's also a place on the back where you can let us know that you have a thought or you have a question or a need for prayer. And then what do I do with those when I'm done? Don't put them back in there when we're never gonna find them. 
okay? Somebody will find it like three weeks ago saying, who is this person? I'm going to call them. Um, you can either just drop them right into the offering boxes on your way out the door, or you can give them to one of our ushers. They will put it into the offering box for you. Um, but so then we'll get those each week and uh, make sure that we follow up. But uh, that's, that's an early win for them. They said, we really want this for our church family, and we were able to do that together. What about Team Grow? Well, one of the things that you would have no idea about is that right now, at this very moment, there is a discipleship class that is happening in Spanish out in the church cafe. So we have a picture of what this looks like. This was uh, taken a week or two ago. We have 21 different uh, people from our Spanish congregation that are growing in the grace and truth of Jesus together. Isn't that awesome? And you're gonna be hearing about new opportunities that are coming on board that are gonna be starting uh, for our whole church, English and Spanish. Um, but this was like an early win. Uh, one of the team captains said, man, I'd really like to help provide initiative and leadership on this. And so we've got a discipleship class happening right now in Spanish, which this is so exciting. Then what about Team Go? Again, yeah, Danny, woo! So um, again, something that you would not have heard about because we didn't make it a big deal because it wasn't about you. It was about going out into our community. So now, last picture, and this is Team Go sponsoring. We've had three Friday nights of movie night for our neighbors where they've gone out and, and watching movies that kind of spark something about faith in Jesus and, and then some conversation, and it's all for free. Um, we, we're giving out popcorn and hot dogs and, and just loving on people. Lots and lots of kids have come, as well as some moms and dads, just right here from our street, right here from Hermosa, and from the apartments, and just right here local. I am so blessed that we are a church that doesn't just, like, gather. We don't, we don't just gather. I mean, we're, we do gather, and it's important, right? Because bu building community, we gather on Sundays, gathering at the beach this afternoon. I hope you join us because it's kind of core to who we are, building that community. But we don't just gather, we grow. And we don't just grow, we go. It's about all of those things happening, honestly, all together. And that's that little logo that you see, that little triangle that's, that's those three things, but they all overlap. They all overlap. And so we're gonna be talking more about that. You're gonna be invited in to participate. But isn't that good? Isn't that good? Church, we're on mission together. And that's, that's a very exciting thing. Hey, I, I want us to pray as we kind of just tune our hearts to God's word this morning and uh, set ourselves for what he has for us. Jesus, thank you. Lord, you are here. You are good and you are Lord. You are here with us right now in this moment. You are present and you are good. Lord, you wanna reveal yourself to us. You wanna reveal you something of your love, your purpose to us right now in your goodness. <laughs> Jesus, you are Lord. So we submit ourselves to your word. We submit ourselves, Lord, to what it is that you have for us today in Jesus' name name. Amen. In today's text that we're going to be looking at most specifically, it's something that was written by the Apostle John. 
And if you are in our 260 reading plan that we're reading through the New Testament together, you would have read uh, this passage this week. But John gets after a topic that is talked about over and over again all the way through the New Testament. And it has to do with the world. The world. Um, what in the world is the world? And, and so we're going to be exploring that today. What is the world that the Bible talks about? You know, what, 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 is, what does that mean? What is the nature of that? And, and what's our relationship supposed to be to the world? I think we're going to uh, get some really good insights. One of the things we learned right off the bat is when it, when it talks about the world, it's not talking about our natural, physical, beautiful world that we live in. It's not talking about the mountains and the valleys and the oceans and the skies is talking about like the systems of the world, like the organizational principles that are driving things. And what we're gonna find out really, really quickly is that those systems, like the world system and God's system, they are very different. And they're actually in conflict. They're like at war with one another. So we're gonna be learning about that. And so what I wanna do before we get to 1 John chapter two, where we're gonna be today, I want to give you a flyover. Like when I said that like this concept of the world is all through the New Testament, I I could take the next hour and like just unpack verse after verse after verse and you'd be like, oh, whoa, so much information. Can't handle it all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of a summary statement, okay, a little bit of a mashup of like what uh, nine different passages have to say about the world. Here's the passages that we're drawing from. Go ahead and put that up there. So if you want to take a little screenshot so you can go back and do your own own study later, these are the nine passages that these the, um, observations and the summary is going to come from. But I want to read to you what these have to say. You ready? It's a lot, so pay attention. I'll try to read just statement by statement so you can capture this in your spirit. Go ahead and put it up on the screen so people can read along. Big slide, here we go. The world around us is under the control of the evil one. But this is the same world that God loved so much that he gave his son. Not to condemn it, but to save it. And those who put their trust in Jesus are no longer part of this world but have been welcomed as citizens of heaven. Next slide. Now, until Christ's return, however, there is a conflict raging between the spirit of God and the spirit of the world. Now, though God's spirit in you is greater than the world's spirit, You and I still have work to do. Quit copying the behaviors and customs of the world and allow God to continue transforming you. That way, you'll truly stand out as a light in this dark world, ready to embrace your mission to go into all the world to share the good news. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, that's a whole series of messages you just like got, just like, boom, summary. So what are some of the 
takeaways, if there were some major themes of what we just read and what we see right through the New Testament, here's four things out, I'm just going to pull out of there that are like very important threads that, that go through all of the New Testament when it comes to the world. Number one, there's a conflict that's going on between the spirit of this world and the spirit of God. Number two is that Jesus himself entered the conflict in order to bring freedom and to bring salvation to all who would call upon him. Number three, not only did he come into the conflict, he won. Man, through his death and through his resurrection, Jesus is the victor. He absolutely conquered all. However, until the time of his ultimate return where he claims that victory once and for all, guess what? We are living in this contested space where the spirit of the world is still actively doing everything it can to work against the spirit of God. So during this time of conflict in which we're now living, we have these two assignments, two assignments that we, that we have. Number one, stop living like we're still in the world. Just stop. Stop living like we're, and then number two, get ready because I am gonna be, God's gonna be saying, I'm sending you back into the world to bring the good news. We're to come out of the world so we can go back into the world. And that's a beautiful thing. So that's all set up for where we're now getting ready to dive into 1 John chapter two, where John talks about this very reality. But he's gonna be talking mainly about that first part of our assignment, which is to stop living like we're still part of the world that God rescued us out of, right? Just turn to someone and say, stop it. Stop it. You guys aren't, you, got, oh, you were really obedient earlier. When I wasn't even telling you to stand, you were standing. Turn to somebody and say, stop it. Stop, it. stop living like the world. Okay, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John writes this, he says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Just pause there. I mean, that's kind of like a gasp kind of a statement. That's a big deal, what he just said. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Do not love this world. In fact, that is the love that God hates. 
Just the way that you would hate something that is coming against those whom you love. God says, this is the love that I hate. Why? Because when you love the world, there is absolutely no more room for God's love. Our souls are incapable of having room for love of both the things of this world and the things of God. We're incapable of it. That two lo- we are not built to accommodate two different loves. They don't mix. They're like oil and water, right? They're like light and darkness. They do not mix. Our souls are incapable of loving both at the same time. Now, it says that when we accept what the world is offering, we can be sure of this. There is nothing of God in it. Nothing the world offers is ever going to contain any of his love, his peace, his purpose, his favor, his grace. Nothing of the Lord is in what the world offers. Now listen, John only gives three examples here of what the world offers. Gives just three things. He doesn't go through this long list of stuff. No, you can't do this. He he just gives three big examples. But what you realize is these three examples he gives, they're like three huge umbrellas. Three like categories of ugliness and brokenness and sin under which lots of other things would fall. Right, what does he say? He says three things that the world offers. Craving for physical pleasure. And again, you can just imagine, oh, okay, that, that encompasses a lot of different things. Right, all of our appetites, all of our senses, everything from sexual things to food things to, to just all the stuff, anything that pleases me, there's that craving, that lusting after those things. That's what the world offers. Second thing it says is that craving for everything that we see. How many of you know we see a lot? In fact, what you and I have the opportunity to see is so much greater than the people that he was writing to. When he wrote that letter, all that people saw was like when they'd get out of their little house that morning and like, yo, yo, John, yay, Peter, what's going on? Hey, James, boop, Judas, what? It's like, <laughs> listen, they, they, they saw very little. But friends, you and I see a lot. So there's a lot to crave after. Not only do we have the opportunity to travel in ways that they have, I mean, they couldn't even imagine. Just getting from point A, us going to the beach today. I mean, that would have taken them. This would have been like, hey, we're going on a pilgrimage to the beach. Come and join us. We'll see you in three days. It's going to be grand. Um, So, but I mean, we just bop over wherever we want to go. And then we can turn on the television. Listen, you know, everything we see, this is not just talking about the Playboy channel. This is talking about HGTV, friends. Uh Uh-oh. You know, it's like, this is the Home and Garden Network. This is talking about like craving after things that we don't have. If I could only have that kitchen. Oh, if I could only get my garden to look, oh man. And it's like that craving after the things. It's not that any of them are evil maybe per se, but it's that craving, it's that lusting after things that we don't have. 
And that's what the world is wanting to offer us. Playboy Channel 2. And then the third thing that he says, this, this third category is pride. Pride in who I am and what I have. It's like looking down on others. Disparaging other people. Putting myself above them because I've just kind of got it together in this area and you don't. And so there's these three categories of brokenness and of sin. The Paul says, friends, this is what the world is offering. And he's like, and then he goes on and says, and here's what the world is not going to tell you. That if, if you like fall into that trap of like accepting what the world wants to offer you, if you are buying what it's selling, here's the problem. It is going to push out into your heart any room that you may have for the things of God. His love is pushed out. His favor, his grace. And there are people who have even had their very salvation, their faith, their trust in Jesus pushed out because they've replaced it from things that the world was offering. That's why God hates that kind of love the love for the things of this world. The other thing that the world won't tell you is that everything that they're selling has a very, very short shelf life. John says this in here. It's all temporary, folks. It's all here and then it's gone. It feels good for the moment. That's why we like keep clicking on those buttons, right? More, I want more, I want more. Hey, give me some more of that. But it's all temporary. He said, all of this that the world is offering is fading away. Only what God will give you is eternal. And that's part of that seductive trap of what the world is offering. Because it's so short-lived, we keep going back and back and back. And you, you kind of picture that addict. They're like, oh, I can stop when I want to stop. Well, then why don't you stop? Duh! Because the, the feelings that that provides me. They're here and then they're gone. I need more of that. And so it's this trap that the world would suck us into. It's kind of like that, that vortex, like in the, you know, when you see that in a pool of water, or the ocean where it's just like sucking things down. And that's what happens with the things of the world because they're temporary. But everything that Jesus wants to give you is eternal. It's not gonna end. His salvation, his grace, his favor, his love, his relationship, his presence, all of those things have an eternal value to them. God's so good. And that's why he hates the wrong kind of love. This temporary nature of, of what people seek after is what prompted a missionary who also became a martyr. His name is Jim Elliott. He, he wrote this very famous statement that is powerful. He said this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. All those temporary things, 
Man, when we give those, man, what, what do we gain? That which we cannot lose. Everything that Jesus would give us that is eternal. Now listen, so much of what we read throughout the New Testament is dealing with these very principles of this conflict that's going on. There's reminders, there's warnings. I just want to share a couple of those with you. Here's, here's something that James wrote, James 4.4. 4. He says, and he's, he's writing a, to the church, by the way. He's writing to believers. He starts out, you adulterers. Now listen, just think about that for a minute. He's not literally talking about people who have been sleeping around. Although that, you know, that's very possible. There could have been somebody in the mix, maybe two people in the mix that, that would have fit that category. But you know, there's this, there, there's a spirit of, an, of adultery. It's like leaving what I have entered into as a promise, a covenant relationship, and I'm leaving that to go seek something else. I am leaving my first love and going over here chasing after other things. I think that's really what James is getting at here when he's catching people's attention with say, hey, you adulterers. It's like those people who have left your first love, your relationship with Jesus to chase after other things. He says, don't you realize that friendship with what? The world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you wanna be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God because that is the love that God hates. You cannot love both at the same time. You cannot love your wife and a mistress simultaneously. You cannot love your husband and an outside lover at the same time. Duh. Strong warnings. Here's something that Jesus said really simply. It's in Matthew 16, 26. Jesus said, what do you benefit if you gain the whole, say it, if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there, were, is there were anything worth more than your soul? He's like, I have so much for you, so much that is for your good, so much that is for your benefit, so much that you are going to enjoy and it's gonna help you. You really wanna throw all of that away. And listen, when we read through the Old Testament, now when we read in the New Testament, it says that, listen, the reason that there's all of these stories, all this stuff that we read about in the Old Testament is to help remind us, to give us pictures, images of what all this looks like as we follow after Jesus. And time and time again, throughout the Old Testament, they were warned, do not commingle yourself with what is going on in the nations around you. In other words, don't get messed up with the world, Israel. Now, why, why was that so important to God? I mean, man, shouldn't we just be friends with everybody? Isn't it all good in the hood around Israel? Well, listen, God's people had a very special assignment. Their assignment was to safeguard and to preserve the presence 
and the power of God. Through these people, God himself would come. Jesus was born through the nation of Israel. So they had to be preserved for this time until Jesus came. They were God's covenant people. So God warned them again and again, don't get mixed up with these other nations that are chasing after other gods. Because if you start to go with them, guess what? Their gods are going to become your god. You cannot commingle your relationship with gods. Instead of being God's set-apart people, you'll just become absorbed into this generic world out there. And that is not my plan for you. It will ruin your God-given identity. It will ruin the assignment that you have to be effective, to bear witness of me to the world around you. So over and over, they, they received these kinds of warnings. Here's just like one little sample, one from Deuteronomy 18.9. They, they were warned, when you enter the land of the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. Don't get entangled in what it is that they're doing. Is it, the word was detestable. Listen, we don't have time to go into all of that, but I mean, they were like sacrificing their children in fire. They had these sexual rituals that was part of their quote-unquote worship to their small g gods and idols. It was really horrific. And God's like, do not allow yourself to get mixed up with them. But we all know what happened. They did. They started to get absorbed into some of these other nations and cultures around them. And so here's one place where it talks about that. It's from 2 Chronicles 36, 14 through 16. It says, all the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful. So that spirit of adultery. They followed all the pagan practices of the surrounding nations, all of them. They like adopted them as their own. They became people of the world. Desecrating the temple of the Lord that had been consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them. For he had compassion on his people and his temple. But the people, God's people, mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. And the consequences of this were like devastating. I mean, they lost wars. They, they, they were humiliated in defeat. God's people were. Because God no longer loved them? No, he had compassion on them. But they, they had to go through the fire to come out purified. It, it was hard. It was painful. I mean, they were like brought into captivity for 70 years to be slaves of Babylon. These were God's people. And if it was not for God's mercy and the faithfulness 
of a handful of people, all would have been lost. So, so what do we take away from this? Are we to be scared of the world? Are we to be like, oh my gosh, we just need to like go into a cave and like pray, God, come quickly. Can I tell you, that's what some people do. That's what some believers do. They feel like, no, we, we, man, the world's bad. Don't intermingle. Don't get, don't, don't get into the world. You know what? Friends, that's not what Jesus tells us. He does not tell us to shy away from the world. That's not what he says at all. In fact, I want to show you something that, again, we, we read this together as a church family just some days ago. It's from John chapter 17. It's this prayer that Jesus has for his disciples. And in his prayer, he said, this is not just for my disciples who are like these like guys that are around me right now. It's for all who will come after them who follow, who follow me. Jesus is praying for us here. Listen to his words. Starting in verse 14 of John 17, he says, He's praying, he's talking to his father. He says, I have given them your word and the world, but say world, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world. Did you catch that? Whoa. Jesus, you could have prayed to the Father that we'd have, we get to avoid all this mess. That wasn't his plan. He says, Father, I, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe. During this conflict, this battle that is being raged here between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the world, he says, not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. And then verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, just in the exact same way, Father, that you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Woo! So here's, the huge takeaway from all of this, we are to come out of the world because we are not of this world. Jesus just said that. Father, they don't belong to the world any more than I do. They're mine. These are my people. We are to come out of the world so that we can go back into the world. Listen, if you never come out, you can never go back in. You're just already there. We're not to be of, we're to be in. What, what, pastor, I'm struggling with that. I'm not sure. Let me give you a picture. Can you put up the picture of the boat? Just leave that up there for a minute. This is you, you're the boat. Guess what the water is? It's the world. This is a picture of the believer, the follower of Jesus being in the world. Listen, when you're like this boat, guess what? You are safe. You're being you're protected from the elements. The water's not in the boat. You're in the boat. And when you're in this position, you can actually navigate the seas. You can actually like go into all the world to do what? To bring the good news of Jesus. To bring Jesus to the world. And when we're 
in the world like this, all is good. But show the next picture. The next picture. There we go. Uh-oh. This is when you become of the world. Same boat, same water, but now the boat is not just in the water, it is of the water. It has been assimilated into the world. Are you in or are you of? Are, are you in the world, but not of the world? Are, are you in the world, able to like to get out there and like go to the world and share the love of Jesus? Or are you like being submerged into the world? Huge difference, as you can see by these two pictures. So, in the last couple of minutes, I, I just wanna give you some practical takeaways. Okay, so, all right. I'm not of the world, but I'm to be in the world. I'm not to be sucked in, man overboard. Like, no, that's, I'm, I'm not to love the world. I don't wanna forfeit my soul. I want the benefits of Jesus. I want all that he has for me so that I can be someone of mission, so that I can get out there and go and do the things he's called me to do and to bring his love to a world that doesn't even know they're lost, right? So how do we do that? Well, listen, as I've said right from the beginning and what scripture tells us is there's this conflict going on. There's this war that's kind of being waged between the spirit of God and the spirit of this world. And very simply, some, some practical takeaways are that we need to win the fight on three battlefields, at least three. So I wanna just tell you really quickly what they are and then look at three scriptures and we're gonna be done. This could be very quick. There's three battlefields, our thoughts, our actions, and our faith. Our thoughts, our actions, and our faith. There's a battlefield for your thoughts. This is being actively waged by the enemy of your soul. Colossians 2.8 says this, Apostle Paul writes. He says, don't let anyone capture you. Do, do you hear? I mean, listen, this is battlefield language, guys. I'm not trying to be this warlike pastor. I'm just trying to read scripture and to tell you, be faithful. Like, oh, this is what it actually says. This is like the kinds of things that happen on a battlefield. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Listen, again, we do a whole series just on this one idea of this, this battlefield for our thoughts. Listen, your children, your children are in this battle just like you are. Do you know that the enemy of their souls, the, the spiritual powers of this world are wanting to fill their boat so full of thoughts from the spiritual powers of this world that they're never gonna be able to like bail fast enough to get the world out of the boat. That's happening right now. You're aware of that. But be called to attention in this. We're battling for ourselves. We're battling for our kids. 
We're battling for their minds. We're battling for like what is true or what is just high-sounding nonsense. Now, it's high-sounding because sometimes it even comes from really high places. Like the government is telling us that this is okay or that this is right or that this would be appropriate or now this is legal. So it must be okay. Friends, high-sounding nonsense. I'm sorry, it is. It is temporary, and it may feel good for a moment, but it is for your destruction. It's gonna cost you your soul. So, your choice. Are there any places in your thought life that you know, man, this is my battlefield. This is where I hit the conflict. I've been praying. I'm just asking God to just reveal to you, to remind you. What is that thing that you struggle with? Because we're going to, in just moments, have our prayer team come up, and we're going to finish with, with prayer. Now, I don't want anyone to leave without being able to voice that thing, saying, this is what I need help with. This is where I'm battling in my thought life. The second thing is with our actions. Not just our thoughts, but actually what, what we do, our behaviors. And a very... Famous scripture, Paul writes in Romans 12, verse two, the beginning of that says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy them. Don't lay yourself down on the big photocopy machine of the world and like with your toe, boop, like hit print and just like, I'm just like everybody else. I just do what all my friends do. I do what my coworkers do. They go out on this night of the week and they do bop, bop, bop. And guess what? I just fall right into that same pattern. It's a pattern of just copy and paste what the world says is appropriate what the world says is good. And we have to take those things to Jesus and say, Jesus, are they good? What does your word say? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? What, what are those who are wiser and maybe have walked with Jesus longer? I need to talk to somebody and say, hey, help me wrestle through some of these behaviors because I need to figure them out because I wanna do the things that would please Jesus. And then lastly, there's a battle for your faith, for our thoughts, our actions, and our faith. Who have we put our trust in? Which is the ultimate question of our faith. Who do you trust? You trust yourself, you trust the world, you trust in Jesus. Those are the three big options. <laughs> John, the one we've been reading about here, First John again, couple chapters later. I think we're going to read this this week in our 260 reading. 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5, we're closing with this. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our, what? Faith. Our faith. Good. Go on. 
And who can win this battle? Against the world. Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Dang! Like he gives us the answer right here. It's like there is a conflict going on. There is this battle that is being waged between the spirit of this world and the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God himself. How are we gonna win? And again, he just uses all this language of this conflict and this battle. You know, who's gonna be victorious? Who's gonna win? He says, oh man, every child of God defeats the evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Who do we put our trust in? And then he says it. This is who is gonna be victorious, though only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Only those who said, Jesus, you are Lord. You're in charge, not me, not the world, it's you. And so I surrender myself, I humble myself put myself under your lordship in every area of my life. I'm gonna make my decisions, God, based on what you have for me. Jesus, I'm gonna I'm, I'm base my thought life on what you say, not what the world around, not, not that high sounding nonsense that's coming from the spirit of this world. God, I wanna surrender myself under your lordship. Only you are God, Jesus. Only you are my Lord. We have to win those Conflicts on those three battlefields, our thoughts, our actions, our faith. So Jesus, we bring all of this to you. (laughs) Lord, thank you for telling us how we can be victorious. How we can win by putting our trust in you and then using that, using our faith to get after our thoughts and our actions so that we live in alignment. So we don't allow the water into the boat. Because Lord, we don't want to sink. We don't want to forfeit our souls for momentary, temporary pleasures that the world does offer. They're very tempting. Some of them give us some big highs. But man, they come crashing down with those incredibly devastating lows. And they will ultimately cost us our very life. Jesus, we repent for where we've gotten it wrong. Jesus, we repent for allowing water into the boat. Just getting the the world like into, into who we are. Lord, we repent of that. We ask for your forgiveness. And right now, I just wanna pause. And if you need to say, Jesus, forgive me for this area where I've just been like allowing the water to pour into my boat. Right now, just however you would want to say it, but you just can just verbalize this really softly, not, not for anybody else to hear, but you and Jesus. But says, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me for these thoughts that I've had that are contrary, that are in conflict with you and your word. Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I repent for these actions that I've taken that don't demonstrate that I'm following you. God, forgive me. God, not only do I not want to forfeit my soul, God, I give my soul to you because you are the one who will keep me safe. You are the one who will protect my soul, not just in this life, but in the one to come. 
And if there's anyone here today, anybody who has never come to that place of choice and decision to say, I here and now want to say, Jesus is my Lord. I know many of you have done that, but you know what? I bet there's a handful at least of people who like, you've been exploring what it means to follow Jesus. You've been leaning in, but you've never said, I am putting my life into the hands of God. I am trusting in him. Jesus, I am making you my Lord, my savior. And if that's you, don't wait. Just right now, would you just lift up your hand and look at me and say, that's me, pastor. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Anybody else that just says today, today I am claiming Jesus as my Lord. I wanna live for him. I wanna win this battle, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yes, yes. Agree with each of you. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your promise that we can be victorious in you, that we never have to run and hide, but Lord, we can be your people to bring your love, your grace, your salvation, Lord, to the world. In your name, Jesus, amen. Isn't God's word good? Come on. God's word is so good. And it doesn't sugarcoat reality, does it? doesn't sugarcoat what's real. As our ministry comes, uh, our ministry team comes forward, listen, if you have something that you have been in conflict over, something that you've been battling with, do not leave until you find someone and say, hey, would you just pray with me about this? Would you, would you just like pray with me? It is so important, I believe, to confess those things like we deal with on the regular and say, I wanna have victory in this. Would you agree with me? So they're here to do that. Church, you are loved. Have an awesome day. Come for prayer.